What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Back in the horse, show and go with Taylor Davis. Today, Thursday, February 8th. Bobby Witch is signed earlier this week for a ton of money in his power with four player options. It can be 11 for 289. It escalates to over $350 million if the club options are exercised as well. This is a hell of a deal. We're going to talk about what this means for the rest of the pre-arb extension market. And there are a lot of good young players that are pre-arb right now, man. And they may be looking at this and... You know, even more so than the Corbin Carroll one, which a lot of people perceived as player friendly, they're probably looking at the Bobby Witt thing and they're rubbing their hands together, man. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is going to get me paid. Uh, pun fully intended, but this is like the Fernando Tatis deal on steroids, right? Like, <laughs> um, like I, I, and let, let me say this. I love, you know, I texted you this before when we were talking about it, but like, I love what the Royals are doing. Yeah, they are. I love the way they're going about this. In my mind, the next guy you lock up is Pasquantino. I think it's too early to do that. So I think that's a good thing you waited. You locked up the one guy that you should. Um, but they've made some cool moves off the, you know, on the on the low already. Also, yeah. and I'm with you with it being one of the more player friendly deals. Like this is, you know, either way. If he takes the 11 or he takes the 14, he averages like a right around 26 a year, um, just under 27 a year. Yeah. That's, I mean, come on, for 14 years. Like you're, you're doing it. Um, I love that for him. But well, I, the big thing is the opt outs in those four years and, and the ability that like we've seen, we've seen Cody Bellinger. There couldn't be a better example than Cody Bellinger. Like if I'm, if I'm him, if I'm Bobby Witt, that shows me that I can go be really good. I can struggle for a little bit. I can stay in my opt-out period and maybe have one bounce back year and get another big deal. Um, I, I just, I think, you know, my question, and I didn't read this part, the three-year option, whose option is that? So here's here's like the full breakdown. And I'm going to do some math as you kind of interpret the full breakdown. He got 7.77777 to sign. And oh, now... He makes two million base this year, which would have been his final pre-arb year. So he ups it from 750 grand to two. And what replaces his first arb year, he'll make seven million dollars. And what replaces arb two, 13, and what replaces arb three, 19. Then his first three years on the open market, 30, 35, 35. And then you get into the options. Player option at 35 ahead of his age 31 season. Player option at 35, ahead of his age 32. Player option ahead of his age 33 at 35. Player option ahead of his age 34 at 35. After that, club option to each year. Club option at 33 for his age 35 season. Club option at 28 mil for his age 36. Club option at 28 for his age 37. My only question there, I was under the understanding that it was similar to Kikuchi in a, in the sense that it was a three-year option. Is that not the case? No. Is it three separate options for the team? I do believe it's... Oh, good point. It might be a three-year option. I think it's a three-year $89 million option. It is. You're right. It is a three-year $89 million option. Good on you. So, and, and look, man, here's what I'll tell you, too, is like, 
yes, player-friendly, no doubt. It's player-friendly today. What I think is that as you're going through that, Bobby Witt could very, very well be worth $100 million over three years, his first three years when he hits free agency. He's going to be very young. He's going to be very good. So how much how much in total ARB do you think that guy can make? Like, let's work backwards. ARB three, if Soto just pulled in 25. He's or 30, if Soto just pulled in 31, pardon. Soto he, pulled he's in the, 31. He's the, um, this is, you said this is his final pre-ARB. This is his final pre-ARB. Now, what what was he, what was the slash, like, what was the, the year last year? I know it was big, but it I don't huge. know, like, the counting numbers. Um, Bobby Witt was, he was a stolen base away from 30-50, I do know. Uh, Bobby Witts. Here we go. He slashed 276, 319, 495. That's an 813 OPS, 30 homers, 96 driven in, 49 bags. So he doesn't get on base. He doesn't walk. No, he doesn't walk. So I'll be honest with you. I don't think he gets close to the 30 that Soto has. There is a, there is a special... You know, and let's go back to what we talked about off camera. Your dude for the Tigers. There is a special spot in our game in the upper echelon executives' minds for people that walk like that. Walks don't go cold, man. And like, I totally hear that argument that walks, yeah, walks never don't slump. walks don't slump. Yeah, I get that. I do. Um, but I think because you valued that so highly, you've discounted everything else. I talked about that uh, with some coaches actually during a camp recently about how that is one thing that I don't quite understand about where we are in the game is like we have just completely discounted that player because he doesn't walk. Like because it's not a game. So I use it on the pitching side. Fastballs up are, ex- are, are, are extremely valuable. If I can throw, if I can strike a guy out, I'm extremely valuable, even if I don't do as well, right? Uh, played with Shelby Miller, great guy, struggled for a couple years, but could still punch guys out. Kept getting jobs, kept getting jobs. He goes to the Dodgers and figures something out. He gets this massive He's going to be the closer for the Tigers, right? He's going to be really good too, I think. But the point there being, the most swing and miss is at the top. Do you know where the most slug is? At the top. So you're playing that risk and reward game up there so, like, for me to tell you that I think the most valuable thing is something I can guarantee, I question that. I understand in the analytics why it makes sense that you want the three-outcome hitter, that you want the pitcher that does that. I just still think because of that, you are limiting yourself to how good you can possibly be. And I think that's where, like, the old-school baseball lines go, dude, where's the baseball? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I can totally hear that. I absolutely. And listen, as somebody that watches baseball every night at the AAA level, the last thing that I want to watch is a bunch of walks. Yeah. But there is a ton of value in those offenses. No, no, no. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I think there's incredible value because yeah. of what you said. Because well, and- of the fact that you are relatively slumpless, right? If I can walk, look at Juan Soto. I think that's such a good example. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, like, okay, in terms of value, like, hey, Bobby Witt was still a 5.7 win player this past year. 
Soto's value is going to go up war-wise because he walks, WRC plus-wise because he walks. And those are numbers that are brought up in arbitration hearings now. Those are numbers that are brought up in free agent courtship now. Right. But Soto's not selling jerseys because he walks. Soto's selling jerseys because he hits nukes. And Bobby Witt's going to sell jerseys, and he's going to put asses in seats. Okay, so one, I kind of disagree with you on the Juan Soto. I actually think that Juan Soto sells tickets because he walks. I think everybody grasps that Juan Soto, since he was 19 years old, was arguably the most advanced hitter in our game. Like, I don't think he's people are going there to watch him hit 30 home runs a year. You're going there to see the Soto shuffle, right? Like, you're going there to see him do that. Huh. Now, you're going there because also... I will also say this, he's slight, and I like, I love, you, you know, I love Juan Soto, yeah. he's, but he's slightly boring, right? He's kind of vanilla. Yeah. He doesn't do any, he's not, Javi Baez is more exciting to watch play than Juan Soto. Correct. But by no means would I take Javi Baez over Juan Soto. Love you, Javi. But, but my point here being also, so, okay. So then second, second to that. I'm not so worried about selling about selling jerseys. I'm not. They so one the the revenue is shared. Yeah. So if I sell a jersey, if the Cubs sold my jersey, that's going into a massive pool. They're getting the exact same amount as the Yankees for selling a Rod's jersey. So the only time that I've ever said anything about that has been Shohei, and the only reason I even brought it up is because. I think it's so incredible what he brings you off the field. He's Ichiro-esque, right? My agent actually handled Ichiro towards the end of his career. And he talked about how the off the field stuff is just unbelievable because the, the Japanese culture and the, and the, the fans are so, so in love with these players that what they can bring to the organization, but that's not Jersey sales, right? That's corporations saying, hey, I want to sponsor you because you have Shohei Otani. Yeah, it's it's Rakuten buying into the LA Dodgers. It's that kind of thing. 100%. It's, it's outfield billboard signage, yeah. Right. So I'm not necessarily worried about – and here's the last thing I'll say about the, like, the tickets and the – look, man, you win, you don't have to worry about that. The only team that's won that has to worry about that is the Rays, right? And we see that there may be a reason for that. Um but getting back to Bobby Witt, I, I'm I do think this. I do think this. That year was incredible. I do think I have a tough time telling you that a guy with an 813 OPS in his platform year is going to end up being the guy that breaks the record for highest arbitration. So right. I don't think he makes 50 in arbitration because I'm assume I think Soto made 70 something or just under 70. He set the record. Um, I want to say 70-ish. I'll tell you right now. Okay. And Bobby Witt would not have been a, a Super 2, correct? Uh, Witt would not have been a Super 2. Meaning he would not have got four years of arbitration. So he definitely yeah. wouldn't have, have broke that record. So Soto, 31 plus 23 plus 17 plus 8.5 equals, yeah, he made 79. He, he set the record, so it's the most... But that was four years, yeah. Four years. So, okay, so going back to your initial statement of how much does he make in arbitration, let's say that he makes, I think he makes 50 in arbitration. 
if that means that if he makes 50 in arbitration and you're paying him three at a hundred, that means that you're paying him six for 150. That's not a bad deal for the team. No. So Jose Altuve just get that deal five years worth. So let's split this into three different things, right? Bobby Witt, it'll be seven for 148 if you account for uh, the signing bonus. Seven for 148 before his first opt-out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're saying seven years he opts out. and How old is he at that point? He will be 30. That'll take him through his age 30 season. Dude, I mean, that that's a that's that to me. I, I will say this for baseball fans, the the last honestly, four years of pre-arb deals have been working towards this. I think this offseason we've hit a point where baseball is somewhat writing itself with those. Yeah. And you are seeing guys start to want to stay in places because they can get deals that are real, right? Yeah. Alex Gordon was the highest paid royal before Bobby Witt Jr. I thought Sal Perez was at 82 million. If you account for the player options, Bobby Witt clears the highest deal in Royals history by $200 billion. Yeah. And, and, and as he should, right. And this is, I, I have to assume this is a JJ. This is a, this is a Piccolo Has to. talking to the owner, getting him into it. And like, don't get me wrong. Um, and I, as soon as I started this, I knew I was going to forget his name. Remind me of uh, Dayton Moore. I love yeah. what Dayton Moore did. I mean, I think Dayton Moore is one of the best executives our game has seen in this generation. But, man, I just love seeing it because you're seeing a team that didn't spend, spend in the right ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, that's what I like about this deal. And like like you, you prefaced at the beginning of this episode – I think this is going to have a massive effect on the rest of the game. Absolutely. And any organization in baseball can afford seven for 148. That's $21 million a year, pretty much. Yes. That's a anybody. Good, you are an average, not, I don't want to say average. That's a poor description. But outside of the length, a $21 million average value, I bet you could find me a, a couple uh, position players making $21 million a year that aren't the best players in baseball. Yeah, absolutely so, could. Right. So that makes sense to me. That adds up to me. I, I I think this is a really good deal. I think, like I said, I think baseball is starting to write itself. You're starting to see players at the right time. And, uh, you know, there I can't say anything bad about this deal. So I will say from a player perspective, this is the best deal that you could have seen for a pre-art guy. This is the most player-friendly pre-arbitration extension we've ever seen. More than more than Tatis? I think more than Tatis because Tatis was over a longer period. Because it was what? What is Tatis? 13 or 12? 13 for 340. So he can make one more year and another 35, which is probably, if I had to guess, if I'm Bobby Wood's agents, and I don't know who Bobby Wood's agents are, Octagon. that's my argument. Huh? Octagon. Octagon. That's my argument at Octagon is, look, I'm slightly better than Tatis just because I can really run, right? Tatis does a lot of stuff well. I can really run, and I showed you this year that I can pick it. I can yeah. stick it short. Give me one more year and th- – what, what did he th- – I think it's – so it's it's uh, 11 at 287 or 14 at 
379. So yeah. they probably looked at the 340. They said, hey, give me 40 more. <laughs> give me one year at 40. I mean, like, really, that's because that's yeah. how the conversations have to go. And we'll, and we'll make it a club option. Right. Yes, like perfect. it's, hey, we'll throw you a bone to get us to that 40 more. There, there was some give and take here. You could see that on the back end, but the give and take doesn't happen until this dude's 35 years old and he's 23. Yeah, he's in a great spot, man. But I'll tell you this too, like, I, you know, the family background, man, that bloodlines, that guy knew oh, what he was man. doing. Oh, so man. How about this? Here's, a, here's, a, here's a cool story. Here's a cool story about the, the family. Uh, you're a Chicago guy. Do you remember James Russell? You remember yeah. That name? Oh, yeah. Reliever. James Russell married Bobby Witt's sister. Married Bobby Witt Jr.'s sister. Yes. Okay. The fun fact there being... James Russell's dad and Bobby Witt Jr.'s dad got traded together ah. for Jose Canseco. Two That's crazy. Okay, so the dads are buddy-buddy on the trade. They and got, then the they son marries the they daughter. They traded to Texas. Good-looking guy, good-looking girl. They were neighbors. <laughs> they played all year long. And look at what happened. <laughs> How about and that? And they're really awesome fun. people, too. So, like... I'm pumped for the wits, um, but, you know, I, I like, I just, I, I think there's a lot of really positive things for our sport that came from this contract. A hundred percent. What I will also say is these small market franchises need stalwarts. They need franchise yeah. cornerstones. They need yes. spokespeople. And Milwaukee has been really lucky with Giannis. Giannis has been the yes. best thing to happen to Milwaukee in the sports scene by a country mile recently. Kansas City had it with Mahomes. And like Mahomes was the best thing to happen to Kansas City in the last several decades, I'm sure. Right. Just in right. terms of bringing people there. Bobby Witt and Mahomes being like kind of that. Like, hey, yeah. for the next decade, you know that we have Pat Mahomes and Bobby Witt Jr. in this little podunk town. Like yep. the pace, I'm watching the Pacers a half block away try and do that with Halliburton, man. And they're they're hoping that they just did it with Anthony Richardson for the Colts. Like they always seek the guy that they can claim is theirs. I walked past a Peyton Manning statue when I walked to the ballpark. Yeah. These small market teams need someone like that. And Bobby Witt has the opportunity to be on the Mount Rushmore with the George Brett and with that's, that's you know, a that's else. a really cool point that I hadn't honestly even thought of in that like how important would it be for these small markets to do that more often? What if Tampa had gone and paid Evan Longoria to stay? Like he's the mayor of Tampa right now a lot. And like he struggled towards the end, but like whatever it may be, right? Like what if Evan Longoria was the face and could speak for Tampa? Like you're going to go like you, you're going to go watch more Tampa games. Like I think you create this stronger fan base uh, due to having a face. I think Pittsburgh is trying, right? You've got David Bednar, who, man, if I if I am the pirate, if I'm Ben Sherrington, and Ben Sherrington signs my paycheck, so I hope he hears this the right way. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm Ben Sherrington, I love the Ben Brian Reynolds deal because he was the he was the most popular player here. Like a Brian Hayes deal makes total sense because it's going to be a great value. He's bloodlines. He's a really good person. Yeah. It just fits, right? David Bednar, I you I have to lock up David Bednar. He's a Pittsburgh high school, Pittsburgh college, the whole thing, right? Like he's never left Pittsburgh. And 
he is arguably the best relief pitcher in baseball. So if there's one guy I'm going to stand up for and I'm going to go sign, it's going to be that guy. Well, dude, because I mean, how important is it for that guy to go out and re- and just be in the just be in the city, right? So yeah. So what I will also say is like you could see that I speaking to the Pittsburgh example. Like, hey, they had other options besides Kenny Pickett, but like they saw the pit guy. They saw the yeah. guy that didn't need to change weight rooms. And they went with that because they were hoping that Kenny Pickett was going to be the guy for the next however many years. And like, hey, that's why you see these late round picks go to the local kid. Like, hey, local high school uh, gets taken by uh, Cubs in well, 20th Bubba round. Starling. Bubba Starling, a Royals guy that they tried to do that with. Yeah. Uh Bubba Starling. I don't even know if you do you know do you know the story of Bubba Starling? No. Oh, wow. You're going to love this. I was hoping you knew. Uh, he was a really, really highly recruited football player. I believe Nebraska. Um, he ended up being, but he was like, he was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. He ended up in, in going into the draft, ends up going to the Royals because they assumed he would take a hometown discount being a Kansas City kid. He didn't get a hometown discount and he got paid like he got paid and he struggled, but they tried to make that trade. They, they tried to do that, right? They went, hey, we know this isn't really our our cup of tea, but we're going to take a chance on a hometown kid. And that was the rumors going into it. it was like, hey, he really wants to stay in Kansas City, like yada, yada, yada. So it happened. But just an interesting side note. Yeah, I just read the little Wikipedia debrief. That is, that's fascinating, man. And like, they didn't get a discount. He, he signed for Overslot, I think. Not at all. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. So... I am, and and the guy, my old teammates know this. I was my entire career up until like probably 2019. I was the nerdiest draft dude of all time. Like I, starting in high school, I really started following prospects and watching how players progressed and how this prospect stuff worked going into drafts. So I really paid attention to the drafts. Um, And they're, you know, it's it's one of the reasons I think that I love baseball because there's such cool stories that come out of it. Well, dude, I remember one of our first conversations was was summer of 22, right before the draft, and one of our first conversations was centered around um, it was it was centered around Rocker Kumar Rocker. Like yeah. after he got taken third, you were like, "What what was Texas doing, man?" And this was like the second time we ever chatted, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know, dude, but like, hey, we can talk about it if you want." And um, now the crazy and now the crazy part is you would have rather had Kumar over Jack to begin with. Yeah. It, it seems like it, although Kumar, you, you got him saddled with TJ. He should be back mid year. I think this year. Since he didn't have a six. Yeah. Sorry, but good Lord. Right. You know, I'm telling you, so Jack, Jack to me. And like, it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece to this. And we're going on a little tangent here, but so That's be okay. it. Vanderbilt has done such an incredible what Tim Corbin has done at amazing. that school. It is amazing. And it's even more amazing for the people that don't know. Vanderbilt is one, very, very hard. Like it's a very hard school. Two, it's really difficult to get in. So, like, not only has he done this where his student athletes are doing it at a high level in the classroom, but he's also doing it with guys that got in at a high level in the classroom. So the the burden that falls on a Vanderbilt, on a Duke, on a Stanford is they got to find the 30 ACT guys. Like they're not they're not letting in a kid with a 25. Virginia. 
Virginia. Virginia, same I, deal. I've been told this is a this is a rumor. I'm gonna probably start a like a nice little hotbed here, but good. The rumor is that like Virginia gets like one, uh, like one pass a year. That they're okay. and I don't know if it's every sport, but the baseball team gets like one or two guys. Hey, I I have a buddy that was the one guy one year. Hmm. That's how I know. But he was like, "Hey, yeah, I shouldn't have been at Virginia, but I, you know, I committed there as a sophomore in high school, so they kept me." Um, yeah. But going back to this, Vandy does such an unbelievable job. But the two, there have been two times in my recent knowledge that they had two arms that were actually let's go three. There have been three times that they've had two arms that were relatively similar in draft status, draft stock. Let's go farthest away. David Price and Casey Weathers. That's a mm-hmm. long way away. But David Price was a starter. Casey Weathers was his closer. Casey Weathers threw very hard, but it was max, max effort. Great dude. Casey Weathers was a big part initially of driveline. Uh, if you go watch like the old videos of Kyle Bodie in the garages and stuff, it was Casey Weathers. Casey Weathers struggled. David Price, obviously, we, we know what happened there. Cy Young, yeah. That, that I can remember. Carson Fulmer, Walker Bueller. Yep. Go watch those two guys throw. They are extremely different, right? Carson Fulmer is as max effort as you get. Walker Bueller, it looks like he's playing catch with his grandma and he's throwing it by you, right? Go to your third set. Watch Jack Leiter throw. Watch Kumar Rocker throw. Jack Leiter looks like he's trying to throw it through a brick wall. Kumar doesn't. He looks like he's built for that. And if you watch videos of Kumar when he was 16, he was doing that. Right. So, I mean, he was a top five pick candidate when he was coming out of high school. And he somehow, like, he and Leiter, same deal. And they both opted to go to Vandy. Yep. And uh, you, you're probably going to see that more now with the NILs, too. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. But, but I, let, let me segue us into this because you're we're going to talk about a family that now is probably going to have a guy that's not going to do it. And he's going to be the second number one pick overall. You know where I'm going with this. So I was actually going to segue to the exact same thing, and I was going to go in a different way. I was going to transition to that. I was going to say guy that went two picks before Kumar Rocker, but finish your segue. No, like I, I, you know, I think Jackson Holiday's boy is it Ethan? Ethan, right? Ethan, yeah. He's going to have an interesting. He's going to have a very. Is he committed anywhere yet? I'm assuming Oklahoma State. I uh, yeah, I would have to assume so. I'll look up but his like, perfect he's game. Page. Have an interesting conversation with his dad and like. That's an area where, like, if you're Matt Holiday, you know what to do. So it's fantastic. But I'm interested to see, like, does somebody go offer Ethan $2 million to go to Oklahoma State for three years? Maybe they do. Now, I'll tell you this. What Jackson has done and the fact that Jackson is probably going to get to the big leagues in his second full season is going to lead Ethan not to go to school. But let's run at Jackson, man. Like, I, I if there's – is there anybody in baseball – who the Bobby Wood Jr. contract affects more than Jackson Holiday? Uh, yes, I actually do think that there are players that it affects more, and uh, I think Gunner. I think his teammate Gunner's going to move to third. That's okay. You don't. Think I actually. I don't matter? even know. I don't even know if Gunner's going to move to third. If if we're being totally honest, you think he is? I think he's going to third. Jackson's going to play short. See. What do you think the possibility is of of Jackson playing second? And who stays? Who plays third? Ramon? 
Uh, Kobe Mayo. Eventually. I think – so it's like anything else, but I think that you're going to get the most value out of Jackson at shortstop, and I think Jackson can play shortstop. Okay. And for a franchise – now, like, let me also say this. This is also franchise-based a little bit in that not a whole lot of franchises have a franchise shortstop like the Baltimore Orioles. I think it's interesting to consider bringing up a guy at 20 to be your franchise shortstop. You did it with Gunner. I, I get it you did it with Gunner. Gunner is it, – it's a great point. I'll, I'll be honest. It's a great point. I was going to give know. you a better example. I, the Yankees did it with Anthony Volpe last year. Since okay. Jeter retired, they have been searching for the next shortstop of the New York Yankees. And it didn't work with Didi Gregorius. It hasn't worked with a couple of guys. Hell, they ran out Andrew Velasquez for a minute there. That stunk. And then you land on the kid. And the kid had a good spring. So what do they do? They force him up there. And yeah, he went 2020 with a gold glove. But guess what? He hit 205. He didn't have a good year. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I'm I'm totally with you there. And I even question if the gold glove was real, right? I go back, yeah. no offense to the no offense to the guy, but I go back to Evan White in Seattle, right? Like I really think there's a chance that Evan White got that gold glove because of some I don't know if you want to call it collusion, but like I think he got that gold glove because somebody in Seattle wanted to be right about Evan White being in the big leagues. And so that was how you proved it. Now, don't get me wrong, I have heard that Evan, it's unbelievable watching everyone play first base. Yeah. But I don't, the reality of the situation is that Gold Glove has been an offensive position for a, an offensive award for a long time. Yeah. Right. Yomer Sanchez won it, I think, in 2019. But like, very few people win that that don't hit. Um, so I, I still think it's, but here's the other thing I don't think you rush Jackson to the big leagues. I'm not saying he has a good spring, you call him up. <laughs> At the same point, I really don't see – I personally do not see a way that Jackson Holiday is not a Baltimore Oriole opening day. I don't. I don't see it. I think you got to do it, especially since you traded for Corbin Burns. Now, I'm hoping you try to extend Corbin Burns. I think that would be the best answer. Um, but I think that my question just goes back – and you said Gunner, but Gunner doesn't run. I think Gunner, I think Gunner's bigger. So that's why I'm going to put him at third. I think he can, he also can afford to gain more weight, right? Like Gunner yeah. could get bigger. And if you put him at third and you say, look, Gunner, I want you to hit 280 and hit 45, like there's a chance that who can do that. Yeah. Um, who's a better defender? That's the question. It might be a toss up right now. He was so young. This past year, like, obviously there's room to grow for Holiday. I'm just thinking about, and, like, we've tried playing this game on the Just Baseball show. The, what does the 2026 opening day lineup look like? And is it Gunner at third, Jackson at short, Westberg or, May or Westberg or Norby at second, and Mayo at first? Or is it Mayo at third, Gunner at short, Holiday at second, Bisayo at first, and Adley still catching? I got, I got Mayo gone. Mayo gone. Mayo's gone. Mayo is a top 10 prospect in baseball. He's not going anywhere. I you're I got him going. In it well, what four, five, six. That's this is three years down the road. I got Mayo out of there. 
I got Westberg out of there. Okay. I think you're keeping Colton Kowser out of that group. I I know it sounds crazy. Kowser's like the move candidate right now, it seems. Although they did just move Hall and Ortiz and like Ortiz or uh, Kowser seemed like more of a move candidate than Hall did. Right. I agree with you there. I The, the Hall thing was a little questionable to me, especially because I think you found something in the pen. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you maybe Mayo stays. I just I believe that Gunner's going to third, and if Gunner's going to third, then Mayo's got to be out, right? Like that's just the way it's got to be. Um, I think you've got Gunner at third, Jackson at short. I don't know what you've got at second. You might have Westberg. You might go sign somebody. Like that could be an area in three years where you go get a Xander Bogarts esque and throw. And we talked about how I thought how important Xander Bogarts would be on that team, but. Go get somebody similar to that. I I need somebody a little better than Adam Frazier, right? Like I I I would like something better than that. Um, does Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins like what are we gonna do there? Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, right? Those three guys have been there. We've been talking about them. They should have been extended or traded. What do we got? Are they staying? Are they all hitting the market? What do you think? I have no idea. I think what's going to happen is they'll let all those guys expire on arbitration. I think they're going to let all of them walk. I, I, so my, like me playing, uh, I would say Angelos, but who is it? Rubenstein. Rubenstein. Uh, Yeah. Me playing Rubenstein. I would hope that Cedric has another good year and I can extend him because of the defense. Yeah. The defense is so good that if he can show that I don't need him to repeat what he did the year that he almost went, what, 40-40? Yeah. I don't need him to do that. But I need him to be a little bit better than he was last year. And I I extend him. And then, you know, I, I so we talk we we go back to um we go back to the Bobby Wood Jr. I think Bobby Wood Jr. really affects Adley also. Yeah. Um, so Cedric Mullins in 2021 Overall. went 30, 30, but Adley, like we're now a year farther in the process for Adley Rutschman. You don't think they just like see him through to the end of arbitration. Um, Like you're running out of time to get a, any sort of discount on him. I know you are. I, I just, you know, and I am biased because I really like Adley, but I'm also biased because I'm a catcher and I think it's the least valuable position relatively in baseball, right? Like you gain the least value analytically from your catchers, I would assume. But if, like, any, but if anybody's going to change the value of the catching position on the open market, it's that guy. No doubt. And that's my point is I'm expecting zero value at the best. And we've talked about this. I'm expecting zero value at the best for my catcher. This dude would be one of your best players at shortstop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I uh, I just think I just think that the early extension that I agree with you though. You're running out of time if he has a good year. One of the two is running out of time, right? Like, Adley's been very good so far in baseball. One of the best, if not the best catcher since he's been there. I don't know if you saw this, or I don't even know if it, you guys might have tweeted it, but I thought it was really cool 
somebody said something about how like Yachty passed the torch to Skipworth. All right, not to Skipworth, to uh Romuto. Yeah. Now Romuto has passed the the torch to Adley. Yeah. Right? Like he is the best catcher in baseball, which I think we all saw coming. Yeah. Um, but like I think Adley's earning power today is significantly higher than than Romuto's. I yes. think Adley's earning power in two years could be much closer to Real Muto's if he continues where he's going, right? If he stays on this, uh, what he is averaging as far as last year's numbers go, if he keeps doing that, he's he's probably the best catcher in baseball. Yeah. Probably making Real Muto money, maybe slightly more because he's going to reset the market as best make catcher. More. Yeah. It'll be more because of the fact that it's 10 years later, right? But – I think if he signs right now, no matter what he does, he gets another hundred million on top of that, right? Like he completely resets the catcher's market if he signs an extension. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. And then just tying a bow on holiday in six months, I think the holiday conversation transforms from, can you get him at a Chorio number to, can you get him at a Bobby Witt number? You and that's not, why you couldn't get him a Cheerio number right now. You couldn't get him at a Cheerio number because he's Matt Holiday's kid. Because like that, that is unfortunately a difference. Like, hey, your dad made millions. You have well, a batting I, cage in your apartment. Yeah, well, how about that video? It's crazy. I, I think there's I think there's I think that's two parts. So one, yes, he's financially stable, but two, he also has somebody, which is potentially more important, he has somebody that's been through that that process that can guide him through that process. Now add in the fact that that guy that's guiding you through the process has a hundred million dollars that he can give you that helps. But I really think just having that holiday name alone is enough, right? Just being Andrew sons, Andrew Jones's son helps you enough to get enough in the draft, to know where you need to sign, to know where you need to be drafted to go. All of those kinds of things. Um, I mean, shoot, Jackson, I totally forgot it. Is Jackson Churio going to make the team? Yeah, he'll be the opening day center fielder. Has to, right? Has to. And Colt Keith is going to be the opening day second baseman in Detroit. That's not as surprising, though. One, that's a Scott Kingery deal. Two, he, that guy can really hit. He can hit. Churio, to me, is... Cheerio reminds me as a prospect of Jerickson Profar. He's the guy that's a very good mm. baseball player that's extremely young. That's very young, right? Like, you're not going to go look at Jerick's, or, uh, at Cheerio and go, that guy is the best player in baseball. I should give that guy $100 million. So Profar in 2012... Heading into the 2023 season, he was the consensus number one prospect in baseball. Heading into the 2013 season. Yeah. 2012 in Frisco, he was 19, had an 820 OPS. That's got to be similar, right? Like 280 with 14 homers and 16 bags. Is that not spot on? It's, it's like Chorio, obviously, Chorio swiping a ton, a ton, a ton of bags. But that's like not totally far off where you see good player in double A, he's 19 years old. That was the Chorio thing. It was like good player. The the difference between Chorio and Profar is 
Chorio for two months after the All-Star break was great. Like this doesn't spell out great. Like Chorio lit the world on fire after the All-Star break. Yeah, Homer's... but he had, to. he had to. Because in 2022, he yeah. was a he was a top prospect in baseball because he put up the numbers to be a top prospect in baseball. 2023, he did not put up the numbers to be a top prospect in baseball. But because he was so young, that matters. And I get that. I'm not downplaying. It's like Ethan Salas. Dude, Ethan Salas does it again this year. That dude's going to make $100 million. Yeah. I will say Chorio had more homers. He hit for a higher average. And he had four times the bags. What uh, What was the OPS? 805, so similar. Similar. Uh, my point just being that they're very similar players, right? Yeah. Let's, sure. just, say, let's just say that Churio's a, a step up from, from Profar. From Profar. I don't think a step, personally, I'm not sure a step up from Profar is worth $80 million. I think they see the immense value that he provides in center field. Like, he is a great defender in center field. And they know they're going to get speed and defense at the very least. Okay, so you're going to extend Pico Armstrong for the same deal? No, better not. Yeah, I mean, right? You're, you're so looking back it. with points, I, man. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I get it. And like I said, I think what the Brewers see is what the Dodgers saw in Julio Urias. Urias was slightly better in a sense of like his performance was really good as a minor leaguer, uh, slightly better than than Cheerios. Well, and, and I think it's different as a pitcher, too, because pitchers, like, they're not – it's not entirely dependent on the competition. Like, you can watch a 16-year-old in low A get outs in low A and be like, that could play at the major league level right now. Right. Ni- 97 plays, it doesn't matter who They're, they're competing against themselves as opposed to a hitter who's competing against the best pitchers on the planet. Yes, I, I, agree, I agree with that. My point there just being that, like, I think the Dodgers super valued the youth in that. Yeah. And, hey – we are going to control Churio through his guaranteed prime. We're going to control control him through that. We don't really care. I, to me though, that's just like no, like like look, man. No matter what, <laughs> the Brewers are going to have a freaking center fielder on opening day. Yeah, I don't. Ha- he doesn't have to be twenty one. Is it cool if he is? Sure, but you know what's cooler? If he hits three hundred with forty. <laughs> that's cooler. So like, I just, that's where I go. Like, man, I, I don't know. I, that's just so much money for a guy that spent eight games in triple a. Right. Which is, which is why I wouldn't be handing holiday a King's ransom right now. You're right. You're, you're spot on. You're spot on. But Jackson holiday has performed <laughs> better than Jackson Churio. For one year. Churio did this in 22. Like, it's it's crazy. It's a great point. That's yeah, a great point. it's fascinating, man. And we're, we're in a very unique spot where the best prospects in baseball are both 19. How cool is that? Well, we're in a really good spot. Um, do we, do we talk about... Um, okay, I'm going to bring this up because do you it. know this bothered me and we got to talk about it. <laughs> How is Yamamoto not the top prospect in all of baseball? So, 
I think he is. Like he has to, but he's not on any list. Right. And Aram and I have had this conversation. I know that he's not on some lists, and I know that Pipeline is like just leaving him off entirely. Because and I and I respect that. And if you leave him off, I don't mind. But if you have him on, how is he not number one? I does Baseball America have him on? I haven't seen any outlet have him on. Like we're not gonna have him on. I sent you. I sent you one that had him nine. Yeah, was that prospectus? Um, Either prospectus or fangraphs. It might have been. No, there's no way it was fangraphs. So I saw in a mailbag Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, who are the lead guys for MLB Pipeline. They put together MLB.com top 100. They said Yamamoto would slot in as the second best pitching prospect behind Paul Skeens. That's and I was not. Like, that's, I was like, we can't do that. Yeah, like we, okay, we cannot so I'm do gonna, that. I'm gonna tell the public what I told you. That to me means one of two things. That either means you're willing to give Paul Skeens over three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Yeah. Or that means that you overpaid Yamamoto by a good bit. It's a I unique it, either of those. It, it's a unique circumstance because Yamamoto's already proven it in another league that is I mean, shit, is is NPB better than AAA baseball? Probably, right? It, uh, you know, it's supposed to be. Se- so second best league in the world. Yamamoto has won MVPs in the second best league in the world. Right. He's 25. He's got right. four years of Cy Young caliber success. He's won Sawamura awards. So that that's my thing. It's like you, you're measuring Paul Skeens against kids that are going to be working at J.P. Morgan in a year that were you know playing the midweek against him and don't get me wrong dude i will say this and you're gonna get to see it but like i will say this i'm not sure maybe jake arietta i'm not sure i've ever seen anybody that's built better to be a starter i'm yeah i'm very excited is a monster and he plays catch at 100 so i i get it but just like this is where we are in baseball. This is like, I think the miss that we have in baseball is the gap between the real numbers and the expected numbers, right? Like you're expecting Paul Skeens to be better and worth more than Yamamoto. The reality is Yamamoto just got paid the most in the history of the game to be on the mound. If you're going to tell me that Paul Skeens is better than that guy, that's fantastic. I hope so. But that's an expected number. This guy was the best pitcher in the second best league in the world. He was the best pitch. Well, and and here and here's the question: Was he better than Sasaki? Uh, yes, production wise, yes. Because he was on the mound more. Yeah, on a pitch by pitch basis, like Sasaki may be better. The fastball seems to be better, and like all that stuff. But Yamamoto has has put together now four or five years of immense success as an ace. He's an ace. He's an ace. He comes over as an ace. And he's going to be your four in two years, in next year. So stupid. So stupid. So, all right, TD fun. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Give me a Dodgers trade for Dylan Cease. I don't think they do it. Why? 
why wouldn't they go get another starter? Because they have six. They just re-signed Kershaw's back after the break. They're going to run Paxton into the ground in the front half. Have to. You're going to go Paxton into Kershaw. But what if you trade Sheehan and go get Cease? Are you better? I don't think they do it. Yes, you're better. Like, you trade Sheehan and you probably trade... It would probably take Sheehan, a guy like Tyron Lorenzo who is mashing catcher that just finished the year in high A. So who does it? The Orioles? The O's could still do it. I know know they could. I think think we're going to wait until the deadline. (laughs) Send Kobe Mayo. Come on. I think we're going to wait until the deadline. Like, I I do think that the White Sox will hold him, and he'll be the opening day starter for them. I hope not for Dylan Cease. I hope not for Cease as well. What I will also say is I think Devin Williams and the Dodgers are a match made in heaven on the heels of the Burns thing. I'm not sold that the dude, the Brewers do such a good job with competing. Like I'm not sold. They're not going to compete. I'm just not. We'll see if they move Adamas. I think they should think about moving Devin Williams at the prices, right? So, <sighs> all right. You're moving rooms. We got to say moving. bye. I'm going to See you guys. Uh, Every link you need is in the episode description. We will talk to you soon. See you.